Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake... Do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? All right, so this week on Original Remake, although I shouldn't say week because it's, it's been a while, um, we're going to be covering a small art house film, uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. So, Peter, have you heard of this uh, before you went to the theater, or was it a complete surprise? Uh. Yeah, you, you know, I try to stay spoiler-free, um, obviously. Um, I didn't know it was a Star Wars movie. Uh, I thought it was just called The Force Awakens. No, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to try to compare the original Star Wars, uh, A New Hope, Episode 4, if you want to call it that. Uh, some people still call it the first movie. But, um, yeah, we're going to pair this one up with The Force Awakens, the, the new Star Wars movie, and... You decided that you wanted to do this one because it's it kind of has some similar beats, right? From from the uh, yeah, we've we've got a uh, and I guess this should be final uh, because I've seen people freaking out about this all over social media about spoilers, uh, and I, I've you know, I mean it's perfectly understandable. It's a it's a big movie and uh, everybody's gonna be talking about it. So I just want to be uh, upfront about this that we will be going into spoilers for force awakens um that can count for the major ones or the minor ones i don't know i think people are being extremely particular about this film so i think even talking about stuff that happens in the first 10 minutes some people would consider a spoiler so uh if you've not seen force awakens yet uh you know stop this recording right now and uh, come back to it i'm sure you'll probably see it within the next couple hours like the rest of the world so um yeah so final warning for force awakens it's a trap. I'm gonna drop in some music there so they <laughs> they know that's the cutoff point. Um, yeah, the, the Star Wars Force Awakens. Would you say it even has like some similar beats with um, Phantom Menace? Yeah, I, I find this is going to be the most interesting. Uh, I guess I guess the narrative to watch the way this movie is spun. Uh, this has I think currently like a 95 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it is. Um, it is getting great reviews. Uh, it seems like it's getting a really great response. Um, we are recording it like in the wee hours, like the following, I technically, I guess the first day it's released here in the States, but I feel like some of the chief criticisms of the prequels were that they had similar beats to the original trilogy. And I remember George Lucas saying something like, um, he wanted it to be like a poem where it's like, you know, this was like the, the first like sort of stanza and there would be, you know, different things that thematically would sort of resonate with the generations. And I feel like that's no different with episode seven, that it's doing similar things. So it's strange because a lot of people hate the prequels, but I feel like they're honoring those just as much as they are the original trilogy. Yeah, I agree with that. Um... Well, okay, well, here's a question. What, what is your viewpoint on the, the prequels? Um, I, I thought they were fine. You know, I, 
I'm not okay. I I guess I should kind of preface this, but I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. Uh, fan. I do enjoy the movies. Um, I prefer the the original three. Um, I've seen the prequels, and I've seen them all in theatrical release. Um, I, I I I never waited for a home release or anything like that. I for the for big movies, I tried to go watch them in the movie theater, but um. I didn't really care for Phantom Menace or what is it, Attack of the Clones, uh, Revenge of the Sith. I thought it was fine. I thought that was pretty good, and I think that was in comparison to Episode One and Two. Um, but I, uh, I obviously really enjoy Four, Five, and Six. Um, I probably, uh, if I had to put them in order, I, I, I think I'm in the majority. Is probably I would probably go Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, and then. Return of the Jedi. I think that's most people. Yeah, I think, probably have that. Yeah, so I, I'm not. I'm the furthest uh, thing from an expert, right? You, you tell me Tie Fighter, I think of Muay Thai, right? Um, <laughs> I I don't think of flying, uh, a flying aircraft uh, of, of of anything. So I I, I know really almost in nothing about Star Wars. I'm wondering why this one, like, why do you think this one will? get a better response than the the prequels as far as that particular criticism of feeling similar to the original films because i i like the uh the, the prequels obviously was dealing with uh you know anakin skywalker luke's father and so there was things that happened to him that also happened to his son like uh you know he loses uh, a limb which happens like you know in the second film and so the end of uh, episode two you have a focus on like his new hand, just like you do at the end of Empire Strikes Back with Luke. There's those kind of like nods to the previous films. Uh, here, you know, I think it's even more direct. That's and that's why I wanted to switch it up and sort of talk about it for original remake. Uh, so yet again, here here are spoilers. Final warning. You know, you have a droid that is basically the the quest object the the chase object for these villains and heroes uh much like you do in a new hope with r2d2 princess leia puts the plans the death star plans inside of him and here you have i believe the character's name is poe dameron played by uh, oscar isaac uh who puts the the map to luke skywalker inside bb8 and also we have like a desert landscape although it is not tatooine um, where this this droid comes in contact with uh, a scavenger, but instead of it being Luke Skywalker and um, Uncle Owen, uh, we have a new character um, played by Daisy Ridley here uh, of Ray, and she is a scavenger who comes upon this droid. So that that's the type of stuff I'm talking about, where you can see that they are doing um, kind of like a cover song of A New Hope, like their version of it. And does that work for you? Yeah, it, it kind of does, and I, you know, I I see that right. The um, even down to her garments, you know, she kind of looks. She dresses like Luke. She's a scavenger. Um, you know, you you said BB-8, which it's it's weird to to have them called BB-8 because I I thought of the 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 boy band BB Mac. It's, it's it was really hard for me to. <laughs> are you familiar with them? Uh, no, I'm not, and I, I'm not just saying that to cover myself. But I was just, I was laughing because like, well, you just gave us our our end music there. I was gonna go with John Williams, but we're gonna go with PV Mac. Mac. Who they are? Okay, yeah. <laughs> it, 
you you're, you're right the, the the hidden plans um one of the biggest difference uh, so far like between phantom menace and the force awakens is the force awakens it seems um that the 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 universe is a lot more broad um i, I don't rem- remember where i heard this and i think it was uh, a podcast maybe comparing like the star wars and star trek but um you know like how in star wars like the the prequel trilogy it's just too coincidental that characters are running into each other all the time making the universe seem a little bit smaller and with right. with this one it didn't seem like um on screen there wasn't always like a uh too much going on you know it wasn't always uh, heavily populated you know what i mean like uh when we go to um what what is that uh, where where Ray is from? It starts with a J. Is it Jakku? Jakku. Okay. Yeah. Even then, that seems like a small town, not like a like a like a huge commune of people. You know, um, that so so you kind of get the feel of a New Hope, where it was kind of like that too. It never just seemed like overpopulated with people in in every single scene. Um, one of the biggest similarities I felt with the Force Awakens and a New Hope is like that. Um, the uh, cantina scene is it? Yes. yeah it, so that was almost the same thing and and you you even have like han solo uh you know in in the in a very similar scene um i want to talk about the uh population a little bit and the the sort of the the bigness uh i guess of the world um i feel like you know leading up to this i was watching uh, the original trilogy with my uh, fiance who had never seen the Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And so I was just cracking open the, uh, the Blu-ray set that came out, uh, I don't know, like four years ago. And, uh, those have the, uh, the special editions, which and Star Wars fans who are listening to this probably think I've, I've committed a huge atrocity by showing her the special editions and not the original, but I also like my high def. So when those come out on Blu-ray, that's, that's what I'll purchase. Um, I feel like that's something that really bothered George Lucas because he did try to, even on uh, the the Tatooine sequences and Moss Eisley with Luke and Obi-Wan, you know, going into town when he decides to leave, um, he, you know, he tried to add in all these really terrible CGI creatures in the, the background. And they, they really stick out because you can tell those were not... Those were not there in the 1976 when they filmed it. That was not the intention of the of the scene. And... I think that with Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams is, as you said, definitely trying to get back to maybe the original feel mm-hmm. of A New Hope. And he does make it sort of a rinky-dink town. Like, Ray, very similar to, you know, Luke, uh, Skywalker um, decides to, to leave. But what I found interesting about her character is... You know, with Luke, there's a tragedy that happens where his adopted parents are killed, and so he 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 I think even says, you know, there's nothing for me here now. Like, you know, I'm, I have to I have to go. Like, why would I stay? But with Ray, she's stuck on this you know desert planet with a fairly miserable life, scavenging just for for rations. But she's staying around because she's waiting for her parents to come back, and I thought that was kind of an interesting way to do. Uh, the same character, but flip it a little bit. Like she, there's something there that she's afraid to leave behind. Whereas, whereas Luke, uh, you know, he, he it's obvious to him that he has to go. 
Yeah, you know, I I, I think this is kind of the case of, um, you know, kind of like in Creed. You know, if listeners haven't heard, War Machine versus War Horse had an episode of Creed with me uh, on there. And in fantastic episode, yeah, one of our best. Yes, <laughs> yeah, go go check that out right now. Um, especially if you haven't seen this movie yet, I, I don't know why you're still listening. But uh, <laughs> in in the review of Creed, I mentioned that I felt that movie was a a uh, what a, lo- a love novel. Is that what I said? A love novel to uh, the the Rocky series. Um, that I felt Ryan Coogler sat there and was like uh, writing things down. Okay. I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. You know, just make it a checklist. And perhaps J.J. Abrams was doing the same thing. Like, this is what the fans love. This is what they love. I'm going to do this. I'm going to repeat this. And so this one was kind of like that, right? They're trying to go back to that original feel, trying to make you forget about the heavy CGIs and such. Now, speaking of the CGI, um, the the version that you watched, is that the same one where uh, Jabba the Hutt was talking to Han Solo and he... They're like crossing each other. The editing was real bad. It it was, but it was strange because I I remember the special editions uh, vividly because that was like they came out when I was in middle school, and so uh, I remember that sequence. And when I was a kid, I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! It's just more Star Wars." Like you know, it's like a deleted scene, and um, I remember liking it. Now. I went back, you know, and watched it, and it was terrible looking. I mean, the CGI is awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even on the Blu-ray I watched, like the special editions, I don't know which version I'm on now because that Jabba looked different than the Jabba that came out in 97 for the like the special edition. So even with those, they've kept going back and trying to, I guess, fix it even more. But it still looks pretty bad. It still looks rough yeah he needs to stop tinkering with shit you know like <laughs> you know once you put it out leave it um and, and i get like some of the uh the scenes why he like uh the one scene where they added more stormtroopers you know when uh han and c-3po was it luke in that scene it's on the it's on the death star where yeah. he's running and there's a whole like basically army like right <laughs> instead of like you know five of them yeah yeah and then adding the uh the door the the whoosh you know the the, the animated doors so the, those those really stick out you know it, it takes a little uh authenticity you know out of those movies um but i you know which, I, I think it's the, which i think is back here yeah I think they even with the CGI, they're still trying to make it look rough, like the uh, the original films. They're trying to make like the ships and the the droids look dirty and lived in. Like it doesn't have that sort of slickness or gloss that the uh, prequels had. Right, exactly. And that was uh, one of the the big knocks I've I remember about the the prequels. You know, when they came out, just everything looked so clean and and brand new. It, it looked like they, uh, um, when you know, kind of. They not age backwards or something, you know, and that was one of the things that I liked in Re- uh, Revenge of the Sith was that they at least tried to make the haircuts look like it was in the 70s, you know, <laughs> so they they tried to, you know, keep it within the time there. But um, yeah, with, with this one, I was very impressed that like uh, in one scene, Who's using the scope? Was it Poe? Uh, yeah, yes. he was looking through some some kind of uh, binoculars, and the um, and and what we get to see, you know from his point of view, 
that doesn't look so super advanced, right? Because this is only supposed to be about 30 years, right, since Return of the Jedi. And in a lot of cases, you know, uh, I feel like in their world, technology doesn't advance that, you know, that much, you know, and and so the the, the look of it. Oh, they're too busy. They got to fight wars all the time. They can't they can't wait in line for the new iPhone you know, six plus right. because there's, there's always a battle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things I really enjoyed seeing. And, and again, I don't, I don't know what things are called, but it was nice to see Ray, you know, scavenging the, the desert and seeing like all these, um, uh, vehicles and all these, you know, just in the middle of the desert, you know, um, pieces missing and things like that. It, it looked like, the, the Death Star still in construction, you know, from the prequels, uh, um, the prequel movies. And so it was just, it, it, everything was visually nice and it didn't look heav- heavily CGI'd. Uh, obviously, the, the, the bigger um, spaceships and, and such. Does, calling it spaceships, does that sound offensive for, for Star Wars fans? To, to, to dorks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It depends, you know, if they're a Star Destroyer or an X-wing or Y-wing or well, whatever it is you're talking. I give about. you, uh, I gave you the disclaimer that I'm, you know, I, <laughs> I, I know nothing. You know, I'm John, I'm John Snow here. Which uh, can I say that the, uh, the 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 end fight scene in the woods was like Game of Thrones with lightsabers, because Kylo Ren looks like freaking John Snow with his hair and wearing all black. He was like a crow. I think uh, I think his hair fits in with the original uh, trilogy here. You could you could really sort of feather that out, and it's uh, I don't know how he fits it underneath the helmet. Really, uh, it's kind of like Andrew Garfield and Spider Man. I don't know how it fits underneath the mask. Well, I I thought when when that when he took off the mask and then his hair came out, I'm like, well, how that fit in there? Just just like you said, but that also kind of reminded me of. Uh, have you watched the um, Batman v Superman trailers much? I saw one right before. Force Awakens was, it, was attached. I guess it's the newest one. Was that the first time you've seen that? Um, no, I think I saw it. Uh, I don't know on another movie, uh, the Doomsday one, basically. Okay, yeah, the um, uh, Jameson, you know, who's a friend of the show at Real uh, Films Podcast, he shared something on Facebook, like a well, probably, well when this uh, Batman v Superman trailer came out, and it was it was talking about. I, I don't think they showed it at, at this. Um, at the uh, the Force Awakens uh, premiere here, because I was looking for it, but it's it's, it's a scene where uh, actually no, maybe they did show it. Well, anyway, Superman rips off Batman's uh, cowl, and you know, for those that know, like uh, typically Batman has black paint around the eyes, but it, in the trailer he rips off the cowl, and it's it's Ben Affleck with no like face paint whatsoever. So it made me think about that. So like. Uh, the thing that Jameson shared, it was saying like uh, Superman ripped off uh, the cow so hard that he even took off the eye paint, you know, along with it. And so it just kind of made me think about that, how um, this character, Kylo Ren, like, yeah, he took off his helmet and he has a full set of hair. Like, um, what what kind of reaction did your uh, the audience have in your theater when he took off the mask? Like, uh I, I think, uh, I think kind of chuckling I, at his face. Uh, if I, yeah, yeah, okay. it was his his character is one that I kind of have issue with with uh, Force Awakens uh, because I think it's a very difficult role, and so 
you know, for whatever reason, if you're, you haven't seen it, but you're still listening to us, you know, Kylo Ren is the, is the villain here. He is, uh, I guess what I would call, uh, a Sith. Although I don't think they use those terms. They talk about them almost in the past tense. Like, you know, there was the Sith and the empire and, uh, now there's, uh, the, the first order, but, um, so he, he's the bad dude with the, the red lightsaber. Right. The issue I have with him is, uh, it's kind of like if Darth Vader had pulled off his helmet, like, like obviously it happens in the original trilogy is sort of like a hint of what's to come. Like you see the back of his head and it's all scarred, but look, if he just pulled off his, his helmet to talk to Emperor Palpatine and you see like, it's like a crusty old, like white guy that looks like Walter Matthau. I think it, it, it does sort of lessen his impact as a villain, but I think Abrams was doing it for a point here. Like, I think he is meant to be, silly he's meant to be like a teenager uh he's angsty and i think you know no matter how big or bad this particular teenager is teenagers are always kind of goofy and kind of emo and i thought that was an interesting choice for a villain like they didn't they didn't make him darth maul or general grievous like he is not just some supreme badass like he's you know prone to temper tantrums like as we see in the film. Yeah, so they, they mentioned that, that he's got a little bit of Vader in him, and uh, that's kind of what I got from this Kylo Ren character is that, yeah, he um, is somewhat seduced by the dark side. He's trying to go bad and just can't quite get there. And so... Can't fully commit. Can't fully commit. He wants to be bad, so so bad. Yeah. But he just <laughs> he just can't, really. Right, he's, uh, he's halfway there. Uh, he, he's got the, the voice going for him, but... I got to say, I appreciated that when he took off the mask, he still sounded like the same guy, except for his voice wasn't as modulated. You know, like... No, it was pretty... Imp- I like that, yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know why Bane couldn't sound like that. There, there, there's something about his voice that was uh, pretty menacing to me, actually. I, I really did like his voice uh, behind the mask. Um, because I'm thinking about how in Revenge of the Sith, you know, where... We know how Anakin sounds, you know, whiny old uh, uh, Christian, you know, Hayden Christensen. And once he puts on the mask, he sounds like James Earl Jones, you know. So Kylo Ren, for him to take off the mask and uh, sound the same still, I I really did like that. And when he took off the mask, I'm like, okay, so he doesn't even need the mask. He's he's a wannabe Darth Vader. He's like, look, I'm out. I'm out here. Uh, I'm the you know, grandson of Darth Vader. I'm a badass, you know, um, but he just, he's going through his goth phase. Yeah. Basically, you know, you said, it, you said it best emo phase. You know, I think, I think yeah. that's what it is. It's a uh, yeah, Sith emo. And, um, he, uh, th- there's the, I don't know what the guy's rank is, but there's, there's this higher up officer that, he, that he, uh, Kylo Ren would bump heads with. And you can see that there's like some kind of tension between the two, but not to the point where uh, Kylo Ren is to be feared of, like Darth Vader was, you know, in the original uh, series. Uh, I think you're talking about uh, General Hux, played by Domnell Gleeson. Sure. The ginger. Y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ginger. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So so their tension there, that that told me, like, you know, even he, uh, tell me the name again, General Hawk? Hawk? Hux. Hux. I didn't know that in the film. I didn't remember them. I'm sure they did call him that, but I just, I was just like, Hey, it's the ginger. Yeah. He's in charge. <laughs> um, I feel like that's a, a nice touch, uh, harkening back to a new hope, 
we get that very briefly in the scene where uh, they're having some sort of meeting with like Grand Moff Tarkin. Uh, and there's one of the guys I used to know this when I was like in middle school, I would have been like all over these like little side characters names. I like, I knew all of them. Uh, now not so much. I think it's Madi. I think it's Admiral Madi. Um, but he has this little, I guess, you know, he has a, a, a troublesome workplace meeting with Darth Vader, basically saying like, don't try to frighten us with your, you know, your old magic and sorcery. Like, yeah, we've got all this technology now. We got the Death Star. We don't need to hear about your, your wizardry. And that's where you get that famous force choke scene from Darth Vader. So there are people in A New Hope that challenge Vader, but there it's just a means to introduce to the audience, like, the powers that Darth Vader has. Like, if you really think about that scene, you're like, what kind of idiot would you have to be to basically start shit-talking this guy when he can do that, like, you know, that as an audience member, we need to know how, how, like, you know, powerful he is, but it didn't make a lot of sense here. I think it makes a little bit more sense, like why, uh, Kylo Ren would be disrespected because we see him lash out. Like he doesn't, he doesn't act like he's even in control of his own self. So you could understand why this general would be putting him down. And because, you know, quite frankly, there's a lot of fuck ups from Kylo Ren in this film, like as the villain, like, you know, I think in the, a new hope, whenever there was a mistake, it was always put on like one of the underlings who let the rebels get away or didn't do something right here. It's really Kylo Ren. Like there's a point in the film where they've been chasing this droid BB eight forever. And with his force powers, he can tell that, um, that Ray has, has seen the map and has that information in his head. So he's cocky and confident and thinks, well, with my force powers, I can just get that out of her. I don't need this droid anymore. But when he's unable to do so, it's the general that's like, well, Kylo Ren here thought it was a good idea to not, you know, stop looking for that robot. So we're kind of screwed. Right. <laughs> Thanks buddy. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> and you would never have seen that with the Darth Vader and new hope. Yeah. It was always an underling that messed up. Yeah, no, you're, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But, uh, yeah, Kylo Ren's got some anger issues. You know, he has, like, two scenes where he just takes his, you know, lightsaber and, uh, you know, he, he chops up, like, the, the chair, you know, in one scene. I, I think it was a chair. And then, like, the the uh, computer station, you know, in, in Like his control panel. Control panel. I really like that, that touch where the uh, – uh, and this actually goes through one of the things I really like about Force Awakens uh, is it feels like you're watching – for the most part, real hum- human beings. Yes. Like in the old movies, the stormtroopers, you know, they, they were kind of just like, I guess, you know, the, the clone army to a certain extent, they were just like in the prequels where you just like, you know, yes, you know, I'm, you know, clone number 64 or whatever. Yes, sir. And then they sort of march off to the next room. That scene you're talking about where he's like thrashing the control panel with his lightsaber. You see two stormtroopers, walking down that hall and then when they hear that they just turn around yeah like "Mm, not gonna mess with that yeah (laughs) yeah that's another thing i really did like about this and and you know you hit it on the nose there mike is that um that they they do act like real people and the these aren't clones right because like what we learned from uh finn's character is that he was you know taken from his family at a very young age so it seems like some of these stormtroopers are actually just regular human beings and so that kind of explains Finn's character as to why he has his own conscience. Yeah, it has more of a, uh, 
you know, not not to get like too political or you know to you know belittle what's going on in other countries, but it feels like the you know children that are taken into these these armies, these factions, like in third world countries, like at a very young age, taken from their parents and basically you know manipulated and built to be killers like in their adulthood. And cause you hear a little bit of that with Finn that, you know, he was taken from his family and really knew no other life. Like they are manipulated and sort of mind controlled, but not in a, like a sci-fi way. It's just like, you know, they're kind of forced to, to into servitude. Um, I think that's a far more interesting thing than just clones. I mean, clones is definitely more sci-fi. Right. Um, but I was, I was, I was not one of the people like, you know, those, basically just racists out there who like freaked out when they saw a black stormtrooper in the uh, teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. But I, I was curious just as a star Wars fan be like, Oh, you know, how are they, how are they handling that as far as like, you know, seeing like a real, as you said, human as a stormtrooper. Cause I like that a lot better than just a clone army. I find that far more interesting. Yeah. I, I was very impressed with uh Finn's character. Just, um, would would we would you agree that he's the comedic relief in this? He he has a lot of great lines. He is. And he, uh, I didn't I didn't know that from the trailer that he was going to be. It's not like he's comedic like Han Solo. He's 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 got the lines like Han does, but Han it's all bravado, maybe even stupid bravado. And Finn is not. I mean, he's brave, but he's not really ever trying to be a show off. Like he's actually you know, pretty upfront as far as like, we should run. Like he's, he's like, and one thing I really like comparing it to a new hope is, you know, Han's trying to impress Leia, uh, just by how macho he is. Like you mentioned that scene when we were talking about the special editions where he runs off and he's yelling at her and Luke to get back to the ship on, on the death star. And he's just going to like, as a one man army, just charge these stormtroopers until he runs up on an actual army and then has to like, flee himself i feel like with uh finn's character he would run with ray he would he would just say we're you know he wouldn't he he would try to protect her but he also has as as we talked about he's more of a human being he's got more sense he acts like you or i would like uh we should probably get out of here i'm not gonna go attack that army over there yeah the 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 best scene for me that um uh that exemplifies that. Gosh, oh, that's the right word I want to use. But it's it's when he first encounters Ray, and she is getting beat by was it the the sand sand people or? Um, it's not it's not the sand people, Peter. Like the Tuscan Raiders. Like, oh, the, <laughs> they are some form of sand people. But I don't. You know, I'm trying to. I'm getting really dorky here. Okay. But it's like I don't think they were like in the New Hope. They actually call them like you know the sand people or whatever. Um, I don't know. A Star Wars nerd can correct me on this. I have no idea what aliens they were, but I don't think they were Tusken Raiders. Um, That's what I thought. They if were. they were, yeah. For- if they were, I miss I miss their uh, their uh, their howl, their like war cry that I really liked. In the oh movie. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The scream. Um, yeah. So it, you know, Finn sees this and he's like, "Hey, you know, he's about to go help out," but then she ends up kicking ass and he and he stops himself like, "Oh, well, she she doesn't need my help." And so, so that's nice. I mean, that's that's something a real person would do. Let's also talk about how progressive uh, this one is. Um, just in that moment, for I mean, one, you have a black male lead, uh, which you did not see, and especially in A New Hope, which is what we're talking about. I mean, you did get Lando Calrissian later on, right. um, 
and then you have a woman as your biggest badass in the film. Yeah. Like, as I said, you know, my fiance, she had never seen a Star Wars movie and she enjoyed them. But her initial response as soon as the, you know, the credits came up was I just, I just, as I always do, I said, well, what'd you think of it? And she said, this is my favorite one. And I was, of course, as a, you know, someone who grew up with it, I'm sort of like aghast at that. Like, I don't know, it's Empire Strikes Back and anything, anything else is like a stupid answer. <laughs> but as someone who didn't grow up with it, you know, and has just watched them this week, just sort of like as a little marathon, uh, you know, I understood where she was coming from. And a lot of that has to do with Ray, has to do with Daisy Ridley's character. She really enjoyed seeing uh, a woman sort of as the, the main hero. And I can respect that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, a very strong female lead. Not only she can kick ass, she um, she's very uh, – um, she she's a very good mechanic too. You know, there's there's that scene where they're in the Millennium uh, Falcon and she's trying to repair something and she keeps telling Finn, no, I'm pointing at that. That's what I need. <laughs> and he keeps grabbing the wrong thing because, you know, he only knows how to shoot a blaster. Um, I actually got a very knowing uh, laugh from Brittany sitting right next to me because I'm uh, fairly clueless most of the time. Usually I'm like on my phone or just, you know, like I'm trying to keep one eye like on a basketball game. And so she'll be telling me something. And I'll be like, what, what are you talking about? And she's like, it's right there, right there. If you would just stop watching the game, if you just look. So I, I, I like, as I said, one of the best things about this film is that human touches. These people, they act like real people. Yeah. The, the, the jokes really helped. Um, I just I can't I can't get enough of uh, of him. He just he had a lot of great lines, you know the uh, you know when she's like, "Oh, you're with the resistance," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, that that's me. I'm part of the resistance. This is what we look like," <laughs> you know. It just he just that's that's somebody who um, you know he, he's talking like he's making this up as you go. Not he doesn't have all these witty quips. It, it's all. You know, all these things that uh, like a real person would say, like when kind of put a gun to your head and they ask you a question. And these are the first things that come to mind. Um, And I I do want to point out that he's able to, I guess, convince Ray just because she is such an outsider. Like, you know, this is a character who talks about at different points, like whenever she does leave Jakku that she didn't know that. You know, there was this much green out there, basically, in the universe. Like, mm-hmm. she, she's someone, it, it would be like if someone who's never left a small town. And she's, she certainly has her reasons there. So I really liked that dynamic because Finn, if he was talking to someone who was a little more worldly, they would probably immediately be like, all right, you're full of shit. Like, you know, what's what's up? And when he meets Han Solo, Han pretty much calls him out on that direct. Like, he, he didn't, not like he's pissed about it, but he basically tells him when he hears this bullshit uh you know women always figure things out right like they always do so he knows that he's being like lied to but it, it doesn't offend him um i want to ask you you know comparing it to uh, a new hope did you like this dynamic better where you had someone who is faking that he knows you know, more than he does, uh, as opposed to like when Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke meet, Obi-Wan pretty much has all the answers. Like he's just been waiting for Luke to kind of approach him. Like he's, he knows all about his family history. He knows he's going to teach him the force. Like he always has like, he's the smartest guy in the room, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Whereas, uh, Finn 
is clearly not the smartest guy in the room. Did you find that that's just more interesting to watch? It is more interesting because you don't know what he knows uh, until it, until it comes up. Like uh, the scene where they go rescue Ray, you know, um, uh, Han Solo's like, I, I forgot what question he asked Finn. He's like, well, well I, I don't know. I always said that so we can come and rescue Ray. Like, you, you know, <laughs> he had no plan. You know, he, he was only saying that he did just to get to point B. You know, like, let's right. just get there, and then we'll come up with it then. You know, as opposed to, like, you said it, you know, Obi-Wan, he knows everything, you know, and we're just going mm-hmm. through the motions here. Um, they're, they obviously handle things differently in both movies, and I think for for what they are, they work. Ben Kenobi, you know, is a Jedi. He's He's older. He's experienced. He's been around. So I get that he knows everything. Finn, he all he knows is being a stormtrooper and sanitizing things. <laughs> and I also really like that we don't know a whole lot about his past. Like, um, it's you know I hate to say this because I'm such a uh, I'm so dismissive of TV series uh, for having like kind of loose ends and little things they put in that'll be developed like three seasons down the road. But since this is going to be a series and uh, presume a trilogy, like Finn's awakening, it's sort of vague. Why to me like that moment. What would happen? Like, you know, we don't know anything about his prior experiences as far as training. I'm just left to assume that this was his first, like, uh, time in combat. Uh, but it almost has, like, you know, it has, like, a mystical kind of feel to it. It feels like, you know, uh, you know, the Force touches him at that very moment and kind of sets him on a different course. And I'm wondering if that's something they're going to develop further because uh, as I'm watching the film, I couldn't really tell if it was going to be Finn or Ray that is basically going to like, you know, pick up the the lightsaber and become like the chosen one, kind of like Luke was. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're kind of toying with the audience there because we, we always have the expectation that there's going to be like, you know, one hero, one, you know, one Jedi. And then you're going to have like, you know, your Han and Chewie is the kind of like the, the, the gunsmiths there. Um, what, did you like that? That it kind of bounces back and forth between Finn and Ray as far as who you know who is our sort of main hero. Like obviously he's more humorous, but you know Finn gets his he gets his money shots in with like the lightsaber as well. You know he gets some pretty badass moments. Yeah, I I kind of did like that, not knowing exactly how it's going to go because um, the entire movie uh, Force Awakens. While I was watching it, I was trying to. I was trying to pick up clues and see if I can kind of predict what's going to happen. Um, and I don't know if a lot of people got this, but for me, uh, for until it was uh, until it was really revealed, I was trying to figure out who Kylo Ren was, and and part of me really thought that that was Luke. Yeah, that was my big thing, and that's why I thought people were. I thought people already knew that. Like just because of the way I don't know some people were talking around it, and so I thought, crap, that's been like a spoiler. Something's leaked, and now people are kind of being coy about it, but not coy enough. So I was actually happy that was not the case because that was like what I expected going into it, and especially the way they they hide Kylo Ren, um, which you know that's that's another thing as far as. Uh, with a new hope, it is the you know it's playing with the family legacy there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Luke himself is is in the Obi Wan role. Uh, the only difference here is that it was much easier for uh, for Luke to find old Ben as he calls him because he he knows oh that's the crazy old guy right, right. 
I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi, which, uh, you know, upon rewatch, I did think like, you know, for someone who really wanted to like hide, like, why did he keep the last, same last name? Like, what was he doing? Like, what? <laughs> you go out of your way to hide, like, you know, baby Luke and be his protector, but then you're going to like basically like be in the same zip code as him. I never really understood that from old Ben. I mean, Yoda goes all the way to Dagobah out and lives in a swamp for, I don't know, 30 years. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm surprised by your knowledge of, of Star Wars. I, I had no idea. I mean, I couldn't even tell you where Yoda was. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, <clears throat> in this, uh, in this house, I've got in the closet, my Star Wars, uh, collectible card game, uh, collection. I was a, I was a huge Star Wars nerd in middle school. Uh, and then, you know, high school comes around and I decided that I would like to have sex at some point. So you, know, you have to put away childish things. <laughs> See, <laughs> and this is why I say that Back to the Future is my Star Wars. You know, I, I say that I, I have the Back to the Future card games, you know. Um, but uh, luckily for me, I get sex and be get to be a fan <laughs> of those. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, you got you got to lock them down. You, you lock them down, and then that's when you start pulling the the Star Wars cards out and be like, "Here's who I truly am." You basically pull off the Kylo Ren mask right. and expose your stupid face, and it's like, "Here I am, baby. I am a dork." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just uh, oh gosh, what, where were we talking? Uh, I guess we we're, were talking about generationally, like how they. Uh, how Luke is going to take on the Obi-Wan role. Yeah. Um, and how the quest to find him was like the entire first movie. Whereas, uh, in, uh, in a new hope, the old Ben thing happens within the first 20 or 30 minutes, I believe. Uh, for at, at any point, did you even start to wonder if, uh, Ray and, and Luke were father and daughter? No, I, I must like, I don't think it's, you know, stated. And yet again, I, I always feel a little uncomfortable doing these type of episodes because there's such a huge fan base that there are probably people who like know every line of dialogue, like even now, like, you know, just the morning after, uh, I was just operating on an assumption that Ray and Kylo were twins, like Luke and Leia. See, I thought they were cousins. Uh, I, I was thinking that, um, because we saw the, 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 the little flashback to when Ray was a, a little girl and somebody leaving, right? We don't, we don't get to see that someone and that was never explained and so i was like oh was that luke when he disappeared and so i was like oh okay so they're cousins cousins kylo ren and, and ray so that's what i thought was that uh, she was a skywalker uh on luke's side anyway um because the see, i don't really like that i don't know why like i i, I feel like that that puts too much uh shame on uh you know the solos for being terrible parents like I'd rather them have at least one good child, yeah, <laughs> and one horrible villain. You know, this, but this this is also me uh, again, a non fan who knows nothing, and this is just kind of like the the little things that I was picking up, you know. And I'm not the the best mental note taker of things, <laughs> you know. And and so I thought I thought Ray was gonna be yeah uh, like Luke's daughter. He disappears. She stays on Jakku waiting for you know her. The one person to come back, which, um, Maz, 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 the alien woman, yeah, the alien woman that uh, they go see, because she she tells Ray, you know, why why go back to Jakku? uh, That person you're waiting for is never coming back. So I was like, oh, is this Luke, you know? Mm -hmm. So so that's what I was thinking, and, um, and so. See, I was thinking, I was thinking it was a Han Solo. 
like I got a very much, you know, uh, father daughter thing. And I think Kylo Ren even says like, you know, he's like, he, you think of him like the father you never had. And I felt like her ability, uh, like her ease with the Falcon. I don't know. I was just getting like, Oh, that, I wonder if that's like, you know, if she's, she was hidden away like Luke to protect her from her, her brother who had, who had gone rogue. I, I don't know. Okay. I could see um, that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, the, the, after Han, um, gets killed and then, you know, they, they returned, and then there's that uh, embracement between the two. I was like, oh, they're, they're, they're totally re- related. <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. Princess Leia, or I'm sorry, General uh, Organa and, and Ray. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, so this is where we're going to get another reveal that they, they are somehow related, but we don't even get that. And I was still waiting for it at the very end, too, when Ray goes to uh, find Luke. And I was waiting for that, I am your daughter or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, uh, so what what is uh what what do you think about luke having almost like no scenes at all he he's got the one and then the flashback which i, I don't even think we saw his face in the, in the flashback we see his hand no. in the yeah okay so uh, what what do you think about that cuz i i thought he was going to play uh, a larger part than uh, than just that yeah i can't say that i cared for it um i understand it from a practical point of view because uh they're switching up directors uh, in this trilogy. And so I'm really excited for Ryan Johnson's, uh, film episode eight. I, I love him as a director. Uh, I'm a big fan of brick and looper. So in the breaking bad episodes, he's directed. He did the best breaking bad. Episodes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then the fly, was that the other one? Oh yeah. Was? Yeah. The bottle episode, the, the fly. And then there was one where, um, uh, Walt and, and junior get a brand new car. And they're like they're they're parked in the driveway, both revving up their engine, and the, <laughs> the shots going back and forth, and they're playing like some kind of like uh, dance music behind it. So I I know he's done at least three episodes, and then obviously the uh, the Emmy award winning episode Ozymandias. But you know that being said, I feel like if this was in the hands of one filmmaker, like let's say Abrams was doing the trilogy, which I I don't want because I I like Ryan Johnson as a director better, or at least I like his prior work better than Abrams. I feel like we would have gotten more out of Luke. They would have felt like they could leave it on. Like I mean, this is obviously like a cliffhanger, right? But it's not like you're in the middle of a scene. Like he, as you say, he doesn't reveal any information. And so they kind of leave that a blank slate for whoever's taking over next as far as like, okay, th- that'll be your story. Like they didn't want to like, they didn't want to put Ryan Johnson in a fix where he had to like pick up right in the middle of something. Like, so, you know, whenever Luke gets to speak, it'll be under his watch. That's that's a good point actually. Um, and, and that actually, I don't know if you, you saw this, but I, I think there's rumors that Ryan Coogler was going to be possibly directing the um, Black Panther did you did you see anything like that i've heard yeah yeah, i mean and i want to give a shout out to uh uh, dave over at pop culture case study i think him and carly uh who's also a friend of the show i think they were having a conversation and dave mentioned that um you know that uh, that would be a good choice though he wouldn't want ryan coogler to be limited you know uh, you know to uh you know what the studios want you know that that ryan coogler is best in um doing you know his own thing um so I, I think that's kind of what you're saying with uh, you know Ryan Johnson and kind of leaving that ending open for the next director and not kind of pigeonholing him to something from the first movie, of course, right. Awakens. 
because um, obviously they're going to, you know, where he is taking over the middle chapter of this new trilogy, he's got to inherit these characters. But, like, they really could jump ahead in time the way this, this ends. Uh, I will say that as a knock against this one as opposed to A New Hope. Uh, and that I feel like the only, the only thing that's kind of a loose thread in A New Hope is Darth Vader. Like him, like floating away in his Tie Fighter at the, the end of the Battle of the Death Star. Like, if you didn't have that, it almost works perfectly as a completely standalone movie. Like, you know, if it had failed and that was the only one, like they blow up the Death Star and they they won and they get their medals and that's you have a big celebration at the end. Uh, here, I, I don't think it works like that at all um, because. You know, the whole point of this one has been tracking down this this map to Luke Skywalker, and then she finally meets him. Like, you know, what what has really been accomplished except for killing off uh, a major character here, which I can't say that I was a fan of. Yeah, it. Um, I think I think people were in tears. I I got, I got a little glassy eyed too. Uh, you know, I, I can admit. Um, which now that I think about it. Han Solo, when they when they show him and Chewie, that that had a pretty pretty good uh, applause from the audience. Mm-hmm. Nothing from Leia and nothing from Luke, but I think that's because of how the scene was going too. You know, when we first see Leia, it's it's, it's a little emotional. You know, it's kind of uh, so, I don't know if somber would be the right word uh, to, to use for for her appearance or yeah when we first see her and then obviously the end when we see Luke you know i i think everyone was kind of being silent and, and waiting to hear something but no word is spoken <laughs> and so uh right. yeah cuz i felt like that that's when usually people would applaud now uh, uh c3po he got he got a uh, pretty nice applause nothing for r2d2 because well we saw him earlier uh, out of commission and then when he come comes to it's kind of you, you don't get that same effect you know, it's like, well, we we already kind of saw him, and you kind of ruined that. Um, the BB-8, I I do like him as a droid. I I think he he's pretty cool. But uh, this isn't a knock, but I felt like he was really advanced um, for conveniency. You know, like when they take off with the the Millennium Falcon and. And, uh, you know, he's not strapped to anything, but he can shoot out like these ropes and suspend him, you, you know, from from the, the the thing. So I was just like, because I don't think he ever uses those again. So I was like, well, is it just that one scene? Well, that gets it's really problematic with R2 and how he moves in the original trilogy. He just kind of rolls right. forward and he has, you know, different things that he can do as far as he can. He's an ultimate hacker, that sort of thing. And he can shock people. Uh, but then you get into episode two and he can fly and it's like, motherfucker, why didn't you fly at any point, you know, in the original, like, you know, what happened to that? Did you forget that bit of programming? Like, did you have some sort of malfunction? Uh, so that, that can be, you know, you can get into trouble areas there as far as it making a lot of sense. If you give them, I guess, too many abilities. Um, I did, I did want to go back to the, the death of Han Solo because, uh, considering that he, to me is like the coolest character that's ever graced the silver screen i didn't really enjoy seeing him get punked out like that um oh, i can appreciate the on a teen- the teenage emo here yeah <laughs> yeah i can appreciate what they're trying to do because he's trying to you know they're flipping it as far as it instead of it being the sun 
who will redeem the father, as is in the original trilogy. It's the father trying to redeem the son, trying to bring him back to the, the fold, to the light. Uh, what do you think, as far as a direct comparison, which do you prefer between his his attempt um, to to bring his son back to the light and ending his death versus Obi-Wan with Darth Vader, whereas he sort of sacrifices himself as well. Like he, you know, he puts away his lightsaber and lets Darth strike him down, but he does it for a purpose. Now, Han is not attuned with a force, so I don't expect we're going to see him like, you know, in blue Jedi form, ghost form, talking to, uh, you know, Ray or anything. Um, but do you think it works on a similar level as far as he, he made a sacrifice like for the greater good of uh, everyone else? Or do you think it's just a tragic death? I think it was just a tragic death. I, I didn't, I didn't see Han as um, sacrificing himself for the greater good. I don't have anything to back that up, but that's, that's what I got out of that scene. I didn't, you know, I, I think he was just really trying to bring his son back. Um, Do you think that's a difference in just like going forward in this trilogy that there, there can, there'll just be elements of darkness that are not really there in the original films. I don't really understand that question. Because there's no characters in the original films that just die, like, tragically. Like, you have, you know, some Goldwing or, you know, Red Wing pilots. We see, you know, Jed Porkins blow up in his, uh, you know, his Y-Wing. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's the chubby chubby pilot. But, uh, in this one? No, in the original, oh, okay. in the, A New Hope. Okay, um, the chubby pilot but... I'm thinking of is Matt Parkman <laughs> from Heroes. <laughs> but, no, it's kind of like Lord of the Rings. Like, I, I remember reading Lord of the Rings and thinking like, good Lord, this is like, you know, it's a great time of darkness. It's a trilogy. Uh, but that in the original Star Wars trilogy, nobody really dies. That is important on the good guys like side. Like they don't really pay a price going forward. Same yeah. with Lord of the Rings. Okay. You don't see Legolas or Gimli die, but here, my God, you know, episode seven, right out of the gate, we're going to kill off, you know, I, what I consider like the most loved Star Wars character, Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that part. Um, you know, and, and maybe it's just uh, one of those changing of the guards, you know, and I, I, I think um, I I don't want to say that this had to happen, but something different needed to happen. Right. Because then we just we were saying, yeah, it's 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 beat by beat, you know, so they they had to change some things up. It's already pretty close to that anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, because I mean, who else was, was brought back? Right. I mean, I, I, I guess. You know, I, I, I did wonder when Chewie first got shot. I'm like, was that the first time I've ever seen him get shot? Because I don't, I don't ever recall. But um, that's something very different. And you know, the like shouldn't hit the uh, hair, stormtroopers here. His hair should have singed, right? I mean, <laughs> hey, <laughs> don't take away his hair. Okay, like no, that's going a step too far. Kill Han Solo if you must, but I do not want to see that hair touched. Uh, but no, I was going to say, I felt like the violence here. I mean, I don't want to oversell it. It's not like it's a hard R or anything. It's not blood and guts. But people get hit. It's not. It's not just stormtroopers getting hit. Like um, the shooting gotten better. Yeah, the the stormtrooper. I mean, you even see one that goes, you know, toe to toe with Finn, who's wielding a lightsaber at that point. Yeah, he pulls out some sort of like vibro blade or something, pulsating. uh, Yeah, uh, taser or something. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty. pretty So I felt like there's a. There's an element of danger in this one that we don't see, like in A New Hope, for instance. Like, um, you, you even have, you know, Luke and Leia when they're uh, 
trying to save her and escape the the Death Star uh, trapped on that uh, that ledge. And there's a stormtrooper who's got the high ground, and they cannot move. They're pinned against a wall, and they can't. If they move forward, they fall their death, and he still can't hit them. So there, there's an element of silliness there that uh, here uh, is not. So maybe that just goes along with you know killing off Han that the the stakes are are raised a little bit. Yeah, I I like I like the when Finn and Kylo Ren were fighting. And then uh, his uh, prongs on the side, you know, on the, on the lightsaber was uh, cutting into Finn. So, yeah, I, th- mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice touch, too. Just kind of going back to what you were saying about how, like, this is, you know, it's not a hard R, but it is the second PG-13 movie. and But this one's definitely a lot more violence. I want to, uh, something we kind of skipped over, but, you know, I just thought of, like, the uh, the Rescue the Princess uh, type vibe, the Death Star. Like, that's when I was watching it with Brittany, she said she really liked that princess Leia basically doesn't take any shit from anybody. Like, even though they come and rescue her, like almost immediately she's calling them idiots for like the job they're doing. A little short to be a (laughs) stormtrooper. Yeah. (laughs) See, I know that. I know that line. (laughs) And I, I mean, she liked it, but I think Ray really takes that to another level because as you said earlier, Finn, you know, convinces Han and Chewie uh that he can he can like basically break them in and they can they can kind of do the uh what they did in Return of the Jedi which is they can sabotage the base you know on the ground before this this death star for the super lasers active um but when they when he's like going through it like you know here's what we're going to do there's this funny beat where Han is trying to get him to stop talking and just turn around and look and Ray's already like handling her business. Like she's like, there's not like a, you know, they need to go find her and like, you know, break her out of her little uh, cell. She's already done that herself. And I really liked that, that change. I thought that was, that, not only was it funny, but it made uh, Ray come off as even more of a hero. Right. Yeah. She, you know, she broke herself out, so they didn't even need to do it. But I thought it was a little convenient that they spotted her right right there because where, wherever they were at, I, I imagine that it's really big, right? So, uh, Well, even more convenient that, you know, she's scaling some sort of, like, wall and that they were able to just, like, oh, like, we see her through glass. Let's just take a left here and we'll be right right there with her. Like, right. That's, that's what I've even found even more convenient. Like, how did they know to even get to her unless they were going to, like, jump out that window? And that scene you, you're talking about, the, the head nod, I, I thought that was really funny because I thought it was going to be some bad guys behind them, you know. So I, I thought it was nice that uh, that it wasn't. So that, that was um, one thing that I liked about this. I felt, me personally, my own opinion, um, I, I felt like they were avoiding some cliches, you know, in these type of movies. Because uh, when something is about to happen, I think it's going to go one way because, you know, hashtag cliche, it goes, it goes a different way. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I, I like that. So I, I think it's one of those things that I felt like, um, you know, J.J. Abrams and company, they are obviously fans of, you know, the the, the, the franchise that they are, you know, they want to they wanna bring a, a fresh take to it. And I was very surprised at how many times I did laugh in this movie and at times I'm like, should I be laughing? I'm like, well, okay, I think these are appropriate, though. You know, like these aren't cheesy, they aren't corny, and uh, I, I I found uh, Finn to be charming. You know, as the the new Han Solo. Yeah, yeah, very very much so. So that that's one thing that uh, maybe it is going back to a New Hope before 
the darkness of Empire. There's certainly elements of darkness in this film, but what I always heard about A New Hope was like, oh, that was the more fun one. Like that was, you've got a lot of these interactions between Han and Luke that are funny, Chewbacca, the droids. Um, and I feel like Finn provides quite a bit of that. And even though Ray is stepping into the, uh, the seat of Han Solo, as far as what they bring to the films, I feel like Finn is truly the new Han Solo as far as bringing that humor, uh, to this, this new trilogy. You know, Chewbacca had some funny moments too, where they were outside and, um, I think Han Solo is like, oh, you're cold, you know, now you're cold or, or something <laughs> like that. I had a, that was a pretty good chuckle. Uh, the part where Chewbacca was getting patched up and then the, the, the lady tending to him was just like, oh, that, that sounds very scary, <laughs> you know. Was, so basically Chewbacca, uh, Chewie was just kind of like talking up like, you know, oh, I've just got, you know, um, just got done fighting this, you know, this big war. But uh, one of the... The things that I liked was early on, and this sets the mood that, oh, okay, they're going to have some jokes here, is when Poe is captured by Kylo Ren. And then Poe's like, are you going to talk or do, do I talk? Is it, how, how, how does this go? You know, and I thought that was really, really funny. Well, there's a general stiffness and uh, even A New Hope, which is the you know the most fun one of the, the trilogy that, you know, if you watch these, I don't know how, you know, how close you were to new hope before, you know, watching it for this episode. But, uh, I felt like, Oh, I can, like, I can just quote lines of it. Like if it's just playing on TV. I'm, I'm, I can be one of those assholes that just starts saying the lines like, you know, like a minute before they come up. But it's really interesting to watch these two in a very close time period because there's a general stiffness with the performances in new hope. Uh, from some of the side characters that I don't feel like is there with Force Awakens. Like, basically any of the, the British guys, basically the evil people's British accents that are talking to Darth Vader, it doesn't feel like they're a part of the world. It feels like they're kind of awkwardly in costume for, like, a sci-fi movie that they feel is kind of dumb. And so I really liked with Force Awakens that pretty much at that moment, right at the jump, as you're saying, you have this character who's being funny and kind of pointing out some of the awkward moments of dealing with, uh, you know, basically a crazy wizard in a black cloak and mask. Like, cause in the old movies, people just kind of accepted oh, that's Darth Vader here. Kylo Ren's not really earned that respect. Like you have someone just shit talking him right in the first scene. And I think in, you know, another filmmaker might've felt like, Oh, we can't like knock the bad guy. In the opening scene, because then no one will take him seriously, and I appreciate that J.J. Uh, Abrams was able to inject some humor there. Plus, it's Oscar Isaac, who's you know inside Lewin Davis. He's just he's just awesome. He's a badass. Yeah, it, when you said wizard, it made me think like you know what Kylo Ren does kind of remind me of uh, Professor Snape, you know from Harry Potter, a little bit. You take that back, Professor Snape, <laughs> <laughs> aped Darth Vader or something. I don't I don't know. Um, um, uh, I think there was, oh yeah, okay, now what, what do you think about this? Kylo Ren has an accent. Han Solo and General Organa does not. Uh, is he like, you know, just, it's like whatever, like, you know, rock music he's listening to at the time. Is he like, you know, Madonna, where he's just changing his accent to like fit, you know, whatever persona he wants to be. And like, you perhaps, know, maybe this is his dark side. Perhaps he wears the cones too when he, uh, you know, <laughs> listens to Madonna. <laughs> I'd like to see that. He, he changes wardrobe with uh, whoever he listens to. 
I don't know if I want to see a duel of the fates uh, with the the Sith, you know, apprentice and Madonna cones. I don't know if I want to see that uh, unless, you know, they're actually equipped to be like lightsabers themselves because I don't know how you fight someone like that. Uh, well, it, lightsaber cones. I mean, that's almost like the uh, Britney Spears fembot, right, with the uh, the guns coming out of the boobs. It could happen. <laughs> I, I hope it does. <laughs> this, you've convinced me. <laughs> uh, so I, I think, you know, just to kind of wrap up in particular with our, our show, it, it sounds like both of us uh, enjoyed uh, Force Awakens, uh, which and I'm not knocking you, but it's I, probably more of a compliment for me because I was such a Star Wars dork. So I'm sort of primed to like hate these type of things. And there are things I do dislike about it. Um, as I said, the Han Solo death, I don't know. Like I'm not, I understand it, but I didn't really enjoy it. I mean, you know, if that makes sense, like it wasn't something that's like when I watch again, I'm going to be like, Oh, this is a really cool moment. Uh, that's always going to kind of stick in my craw a little bit. Um, but just looking at it from, uh, you know, with our format, as far as the remake goes, um, do you feel that it breaks away enough from some of the similar story beats of a new hope? Or should it have gone further and not really, you know, done their version of the, the Death Star that needs to be blown up, of the Death Star plans and the robot, of the of the you know the the loner on the desert planet that goes off and finds his or her destiny and finds you know his or her lightsaber as well. No, um, I think I think Force Awakens uh, d- does a really good job with uh, with pacing, you know, not. One point that I ever saying, oh, this, you know, this scene could have been cut down. You know, when the movie was over, I go, wait, where's the other four hours of this movie? <laughs> you know, I, I this. Needs- oh, they'll sell it to you soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> many times over. Um, I, I'm sure you know there's going to be like other things in development. You know, that's going to tie in Force Awakens with uh, Episode Eight. Um, I don't know if I'll seek those out just because you know, like like uh, what is that animated series right now? The the Rebels. Um, Star Wars Rebels or something. Uh, I'm not that much of a dork. I, I, I've, I've, have not really kept up with the uh, the expanded universe stuff. I'm pretty much just a movies guy. Well, which, which is also uh, another thing I like that uh, the the EU is thrown out right with these uh, trilogy. Most of it was garbage. I mean, that's, that's I think <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> um, although even that, I believe. I mean, I haven't read it, but I always. Uh, heard that uh, you know there were uh, the the solo twins became like the big like you know force users, um, but I may be wrong. I feel like that's where a lot of the Luke goes bad stuff comes from was from the EU. So maybe that's where people got their their sort of uh, uh, theory on how Luke would be used here. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know, as for me, I I, th- I think that I I do want them to kind of move away. From like, I don't want to see Ryan Johnson do his version of Empire. Uh, certainly, I could see it in tone. Maybe it's a little bit darker than this one. This one is very fun, but you know, I, don't, I don't want to see uh, you know uh, Lando come back in and like betray them at some point and then turn good again, like in the in Ryan Johnson's Episode Eight. I don't want them to go to uh, a gambling city. I don't want to see anyone frozen. At the end of the film, and this, I don't want to see you know Finn frozen in a carbonite. So, I I feel like as I said, this is a cover song, and what I really kind of dislike about Force Awakens is their adherence to A New Hope. 
uh, as it, it seems like they were trying to get away from the prequel so much that they were like, let's just do a new hope again. And I'm not totally comfortable with that, but I had a good time with it. Um, I certainly think, you know, one of our questions we ask, uh, just using, you know, Brittany, my fiance as an example is I think even if she had seen this one first and I had not forced her to watch like the original trilogy, I think she would, it would have imbued, uh, interest in star Wars for her because she really liked the Ray character. She really liked Finn. I think it would have cost her to be like, Hey, I want to check out the original. So I think this is a big success as far as that goes, as far as getting a new generation who want to check out the old movies. Yeah. Um, was, did people ever have an issue with uh, princess Leia of running her mouth too much? I mean, I never did. No. Um, and Brittany certainly, she commented on how much she liked that. So I don't, I mean, not me. Okay. Who are these people? I Well, I'm not sure where I might have picked that up. Give me their names. <laughs> I have a list right here. <laughs> um, well, be, because like uh, originally we were, uh, and we're still going to do it, but originally we were going to be doing The Hidden Fortress with uh, A New Hope. And uh, I remember seeing something about how, you know, in The Hidden Fortress, the the princess in that story, she, you know, she pretends to be a mute. So she doesn't even talk very much uh, except for, you know, with, with with the one guy that, you know, that knows her. And then, you know, in comparison with Princess Leia, like, you know, she's complete opposite. Like all she does is talk. So I, I wasn't sure if that was just a knock or just like something that I kind of uh, miss, uh, like uh, I just misunderstood what they were trying to say, I guess. Um, but no, the, the, the Ray character. Yeah. I, I think uh, that it was, it was really nice to see a very diverse cast, you know, the, uh, the, re- is it the resistance? Yeah. The, they, uh, this time around, I, I, I can't, all these, like there's a resistance in Terminator <laughs> and, um, they, they need to call be called something else. Um, just cause I, I guess they, I guess they can't be called the rebellion anymore. Because technically they're, uh, I feel like the uh, the first order of the rebellion, right? Like they're the ones trying to take down the government, trying to take down the republic, uh, and then the resistance or those trying to. Res- I don't know. I feel like that's where it gets a little complicated. I like the empire and I like the rebels. I like yeah, that better. Yeah, New hope. That's that's a little bit easier to understand because you know with like other franchises, I start to mistake like who's really the resi- resistance and stuff, and I feel like sometimes I, I miss uh, misuse the. The, the wrong groups but um mm. yeah it, it was nice to see uh you know a, a lot more people of color you know in the force awakens i mean you, you got uh john boyega and, and then also seeing a very empowering female lead you know uh she is very uh, savvy with technology and she can kick butt so i mean all of that was very nice to see do we i don't even think we i don't know if we even have to do our questions here um, no, not. Be, I mean, I would say no, just because it's not a, a direct remake. I don't, I don't think it's necessary for this. Uh, but definitely for when we do um, the Hidden Fortress and a New Hope, I think that that will certainly apply there. And that will be our uh, very next episode because that was supposed to be what we're going to talk about this morning. And I called an audible on you uh, because uh, I just wanted to talk about Force Awakens and. As I said, I was just shocked how similar they were. Um, and that's, you know, there's some positives and negatives with that. But uh, we're going to we're gonna go back even further and uh, see where this uh, this idea came from, really. Uh, at least one of the, the main story, as you mentioned, was Princess Leia and the, the, the Death Star and the Hidden Fortress. Uh, very similar as far as that. And the, especially 3PO and R2, 
we kind of see the origins of their their dynamic, their relationship in the Hidden Fortress. That episode will be coming up uh, next week. Uh, but until then, uh, where can people email us, Peter? They can email us at <laughs> originalremakepod at gmail.com. I think you got it right. And I actually looked it up just to make sure this time because we always mess that up. But uh, you can email us there. We are on Twitter at Original Remake. And, uh, of course, we're on followingfilms.com. And maybe one day iTunes, Stitcher. Who knows? I don't know. I didn't know. It could be a Christmas miracle coming up. I didn't know that was a thing. So. <laughs> I thought it was only exclusive but, to followingfilms.com <laughs> and Podme. I, I liked it. I like to uh, to put that out there because uh, what else can you find at followingfilms.com, Peter? Oh, yeah. We can find uh, other great shows such as Pop Culture Case Study, War Machine vs. War Horse, True Bromance Film Podcast, Following Films, Hydrate Level 4, this show, Cinematic for the People, and... Second Class Cinema. See, I was only... You, you were like being really generous there. I was tossing you the ball only to mention our shows ah. but sure you can listen to the others guys too but especially hydrate level four uh which you can find peter on twitter at hlf podcast right yep or hlf pot okay HLF I got it right. yep. uh, and then my show war machine versus war horse and you can also find me on twitter at war machine horse and I uh, I welcome interactions but if you're gonna try to correct me on like star wars stuff i'm probably just gonna ignore you <laughs> I'll tell you that now. I'm going to, you can interact with me and correct me, but I'm going to tell you to download the episode again and just verify that I did make a mistake. Uh, so if you're going to correct me, you have to listen to the show twice or at least download it twice. That's all I ask. So get out your iPhone, your iPad, whatever, and uh, give us multiple downloads. Yeah. And, uh, y- you know, this, what you were saying about how Force Awakens, uh, you were very surprised how, very similar it was to A New Hope. Same thing with Creed. So go back and listen to that episode, too. It's on both of our feeds. Please download them both. Yeah, there we go. So, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Christmas is coming up. You know, give us, give us a present. It's free. <laughs> it is free. <laughs> I don't know what we're really getting out of it, really. Even if, it goes, if the numbers go up by one or two, I don't know what difference it really <laughs> makes. But we appreciate it. Legends and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid.